song you never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. Welcome back to Common Folk. We're back. We are back. Surrounded by a bunch of uh, alcohol. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. But <laughs> yes, one thing, <laughs> one thing that I noticed is uh, Andy has a drink, but no one else does. I was thinking about that right before you hit start, but I didn't want to get yelled at. So, oh, I got, that's right. I uh, brought some brouhaha's, and uh, you so. got a special one. I did. Banquet. You know, what's going on with that? Oh, Why? The banquet Discuss? beer. Yeah. You know. You're just feeling it today or I, what? I am. I, I felt a change up. I didn't want a light beer, light beer, light beer. You're just going to go heavy? I am. Are you going <laughs> to enjoy this? Are you, you going to share? Or? Well, that's what I was wondering. Did you want your little light, your Bambi beer or do you want the banquet beer? <laughs> oh, and do we all have to sh- like you don't have give to, you a beer? You can you, get your own. I will take one. Thank you. <laughs> How about our guest over oh, here? Yeah, you want I'll one, buddy? One yeah. And right. I'll, I'll flip him shit, but if if you want a Coors Light, you can have it. I drink okay. whatever's free. <laughs> <laughs> FCB, free yeah. cold beer. That's that's for me. I so. hear that. I hear that. So, yeah, man. Uh, we'll get into it. We're um, here sitting here with a gentleman that I met a few months ago, uh, David Munoz. Got that pronounced properly. That is right? a good last name. Yep, you did good. Yep, it yep. is good. Um, so to give a quick little background, um, we work at Farm Focus and Stock and Rod with, uh, the Corporal Dagan Page Foundation, and we handle all the merchandising for them, uh, which helps them with their fundraising and all their, you know, their efforts. Um, so not too long ago, they had the, uh, golf tournament, which I think was the second, was it the yeah, second one? Yeah, second. Um, so we weren't. We weren't doing merchandise for them on year one, but we were this year. So we helped them with the golf tournament, get things organized, um, handled some of the food at the event, um, and just kind of helped any any way that we could. And while we were there, we got to met, meet uh, David and his team among a bunch of other folks. Um, so this is the first time Andy's getting to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, and David is with the Bravo Zulu Adventure Group. So uh, what those boys did at the, the Page Golf Tournament was uh, they parachuted, and I'm sure you've got specific words that you would use for this that I'm yeah. not using properly, but uh, <laughs> you guys... Uh, jumped out of something and yeah, you guys, flew in the air. You guys jumped in. There was four, <laughs> I think, what would you call them, like flights of golf, um, and you guys were scheduled to kind of come in with it, at each one with... Uh, the dog's digging. Where's she at? Always. Millie, come on. <laughs> so at, at the beginning, to the kickoff of each round, yep. um, weather was tough a little bit early one of the days but in the end you guys came in did your thing it was super awesome people were impressed with it uh you guys were out on a hole um handling a uh an ar powered uh golf ball launcher which oh, was yeah. pretty badass <laughs> so we of course had to go over there and see what was going on with that and then meet you guys and um i got to talking to david and and in my mind uh, realized real quickly a couple different things one these guys are doing really cool stuff and two David likes to talk. So I was like, uh, <laughs> this, guy, wow. this guy is going to be perfect for a podcast. Yeah. So I uh, was hoping we could get you guys on, and finally things have come together. It's been a number of months. So we're uh, happy to have you, man. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, that that uh, the whole event, the corporate Dane Page event, um, LSPC supplies the skydivers, and then um, which is a local skydiving club here in Weeping Water, Nebraska. They're actually the longest continuous running drop zone 
in the world. We can't, mm. every once in a while, oh. someone tries to challenge that, but you know, they, they like stopped or broke or paused or whatever. We, mm. We've never paused. And there's a lot of really cool um, history there. And uh, someone should be writing a book or doing something just on that club. One of the founding members was a special forces guy um, in Vietnam, which is a whole nother, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. level of, of yeah. military fighting and uh, won the Medal of Honor. And, you know, he's one of the founders of, oh. of that club. It's, it's, it's a really unique place. Um, and then, you know, with our nonprofit, um, the Corporal Dagan Page, a lot, a lot, most of us jumped into it last year. And then, like you said, this is the second year. So um, it was easy. We were going to be there, so it was easy for us to be there. And uh, that golf ball launcher was a was a very good idea. That, that was that's sweet. Pre- this is this actually right here. I think it was a small batch helped that decision. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, with their nonprofit. That so. was yeah. That thing was a hit, man. Yeah. What was rewind real quick the uh, the organization you were talking about LSP? Yeah, Lincoln Sport Parachute Club. Okay, um, they were actually really close to Lincoln, just outside of Lincoln when they started. You know, this I think they're sixty five years or something, sixty four years that you know been around for a while, but. They're originally where the where the dump is right outside of Lincoln. There used to be an airport there. That's where they were until we brought Browns. The club bought, brought Browns Airfield or NE69. So we own the airport. It's okay. a grass strip mm-hmm. runway. We got a nice clubhouse, which as far as skydivers goes, man, owning your own property and not having to have too yeah. many rules is probably pretty important. And that's important. in Weeping Water. <laughs> yeah, Weeping Water, yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, That is huge. Mm-hmm. Like it's a small town, like. Folks from around here have heard of Weeping Water. Most folks probably yeah. have not heard of it. Um, and I've been down there a ton of different times, and I never even realized that was Yeah, going how on. big is that, though? Like, how big is the town? It's a pretty small town. I mean, it's, you know, a handful of streets. You okay. Know, mm-hmm. Two stoplights, so like I think. like 500. Or no, not, no stoplights. Three stop signs, okay. I think. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah small yeah. area. Um, also, what's cool to uh, tie in with some of the episodes that folks have listened to, uh, Corey Jones, who we've had on. Um, he does the video production and all that, and he yep. helped with the golf tournament as well. I talked to him the other day because he was out here getting some merch for his company, and uh, he was telling me that he's doing some things with you guys. Going to be doing some jumps too. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. Which uh, you know, our nonprofit Bravo Zoo Venture Group. We're really young. You know, this is our second year, first year actually doing stuff. We we uh, formed last November, um, so this is our second year in existence. But first year really doing stuff and. Uh, anytime we can barter some services back and forth, yeah. so he's yeah. going to help us out with some yeah. video stuff. He does such good work. Oh, dude, that that Corporal Dakin Page video was mm-hmm. was phenomenal. And then we're gonna we're gonna finish his uh, skydiving license. Nice. Oh, sweet! Yeah, something we're passionate about, something he's passionate about. So it's an easy. And he's like know. a thrill seeker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a good dude. So yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. In, it sucks on our end because like he's working on some stuff for us, but <laughs> I had some trouble getting him some video and some, oh, excuse me, some other stuff. So this whole adventure has been a pretty big learning curve for us. So nice, mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. So I think what what I obviously we wanted to talk about uh, Bravo Zulu Adventure Group today. Yeah, um, a couple of things that you guys are doing, but where I wanted to start was um, a little bit of your history, so folks can kind of get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Um, w- you know, where did you grow up? What did you do as a kid? What were your parents like? How did you kind of eventually start getting into these things that you're doing today? Wait, whoa, whoa, wait. We said he was a talker. Can we, can <laughs> well, we like, streamline him yeah, like one question at a time? <laughs> yeah, don't, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I was actually <laughs> raised by wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Give him some direction. My mom probably would have liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I was born and raised in Green Island. Okay. Um, you know, nothing crazy going on there. You know, typical, not a very good student type thing. <clears throat> Didn't really have a plan. I'm always drawn to things that uh, I don't understand or maybe scare me a little bit. Um, and one of the, th- you know, people are like, what's your biggest fear? Being in the stranded in the middle of the ocean. Like, people don't realize how vast certain things oh, are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the universe and all that stuff. Neil deGrasse Tyson someone I watch in forever. And, man, just think, being you're not, you're at, you're definitely not top of the food chain. Like, right here we are, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know. We got knives and guns, and we can walk around, kind of do whatever we want, yeah. right? It's kind of like a false yeah. sense of security. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, you're in the ocean. You're, you know, yeah, towards the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. You know, you're yep. a minnow. Yeah, exactly. You know, an octopus can be like, "What's this?" and just pull you down, yeah. and you're done. You know, yeah, you don't even have fins. Yeah, exactly. Or gills, none of it. Yeah, <laughs> you can't swim that great. You can float mm-hmm. probably for a while, but yeah, there's a handful of them, like whales. You know, they evolved back to the ocean which yeah. might be their saving grace i don't know we'll see right yeah so. yeah <laughs> yeah evolution's a it's it's you know for as long as we're alive it's a very small snippet but so i actually tried to join the coast guard um i didn't th- i don't know if they thought i was serious or not um because he kept the recruiter kept on blowing me off and it's nebraska right so mm-hmm. yeah how yeah, many yeah. people <laughs> really get from nebraska um and then coincidentally one of my friends that lived about eight blocks from me his parents were out of town we got really hammered, you know, <laughs> and, and I actually told a story not so long ago. I didn't realize they stopped making Bacardi 151. Mm. You guys know that? Mm. I don't make it anymore. It was definitely college last time I yeah. had it, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that really hurt my feelings when I, <laughs> I needed to find me a bottle just for old time's sake. But um, went to this uh, girl's house, um, kind of messed some things up in the house. We were drinking Bacardi 151, you know, mm-hmm. we're 17 years old at the time. And uh, next day at school, um, uh, confronted by this guy in a uniform, and he's driving a cut V, you know, decorated with, you know, one of the nicer ones, not the green painted ones. And and I was like, oh, shit. And oh, it turns God. out uh, her dad was a recruiter for the Nebraska Army National Guard. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh-oh. He's like, hey, I mean, you got to have a talk. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, you know. I, I broke a few little trinkets and some other things in her house and, and uh, broke one of their plants. But um, went to his office, and he's like, does your dad let you drink beer at home? I was like, well, he doesn't hand it to me, but, I mean, if I bring it, you know, he's not like a big big deal for him. And so next thing I know, we're sitting there drinking beer and eating pizza, you know, this whole time I thought I was in trouble. With this guy? Yeah, with at, this, we're, at the recruiting station. Oh, my, yeah, oh so, shit. This is early 2000s, right? So. Um, yeah. There actually was a was a bar in that in the Grand Island Armory. Okay. The the when the Aviation Battalion took it over, and I want to say like two thousand eight or two thousand nine, they got rid of the damn bar. So mm. you know, there's always a keg of beer or something. You know, that's why recruitment's down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, come got, on. <laughs> this is why. You know, now we, we got to, it. <laughs> and when they took that away, we actually took the old pop machine out of there, and all the out of order slots was bush light. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So. um but yeah, we uh, got to talking. A few of my friends actually enlisted, and I didn't even know that. Um, he's like, "You know these guys?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm friends with them." He's like, "Well, they they enlisted up, and they showed me the 19 Delta Cavscat video. You know, they got jet skis and dirt bikes and stuff." And I'm like, "All right, let's sign me up." You oh know? my <laughs> gosh! So they totally like hook line sinker oh, yeah, right there with the um, beer in the video. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't ever seen any of the. I seen a dirt bike. Didn't get to ride it, but I've not seen any of those assault jet skis. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Uh, <laughs> turns out you can go to basic training and all that stuff when you're 17. So <clears throat> instead of having a regular summer between my junior and senior year, which was probably better for me because I was that kid, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, which didn't work out for me very well because my parents knew a lot of people in the community. So every time I try to like ride on top of my friend's Jeep or, you know, do something crazy, yeah, my parents already knew. <laughs> you know, so, was, were you a Gish kid? Were you public? Northwest. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're oh, a Viking. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Viking. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. That's, it's a great school and they're actually running into a problem now I'm sure you're aware of. A lot of people want to go there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's a good problem when people want more of you or, yeah. you know, you should this, go. And the school is really awesome, you know, and I know some teachers there that are still there and they speak very highly of the school, but mm-hmm. um, if the teachers weren't there, I don't know how I would graduate. I mean, I failed freshman math. The teacher just, that teacher was probably the only teacher that I had that was really impatient. Um, then I got this teacher called Mr. Not. I'm just the Celestic with numbers, man, you know, like. Mm-hmm. That hey, whole short, yeah, the whole short change trick. I'm like this one right here. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, you got thirty dollars, and then yeah. everyone breaks it down to me. I'm like, no, nah, dude, you left with more money. And they're like, no, you didn't. You invested. <laughs> you invested more. You know, so I, I just it just it just blows my mind. But um, this teacher, Mister Not, there actually was extremely patient with. There's a small class of us kids that were challenged in 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 math, which a couple of my best friends were in there, and. Um, so patient dude mm-hmm. we are so mean to that guy not as mean as in like you know calling him names or whatever but we took one of his tapes one time you know vhs recorder mm-hmm. tape you know uh took one of his math tapes and recorded over at people doing burnouts in the parking lot and oh my god certain things <laughs> right, like right, that you right, know right. like yeah. fun stuff yeah yeah and uh i actually wrote a uh an apology letter to him in the school newspaper um <laughs> I went. <laughs> it's like Happy Gilmore. Style. Yeah, I mean, you should apologize yeah, to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I went to Pathfinder School in the military. You know, I did the whole basic train thing between my junior and senior high school. Graduated um, in December. I was already deploying for Iraq, so basically, you know, I had a few months off. You know, I did my initial entry training after that. Came back, had like two months, and was already working on heading overseas. Um, I come back, um, I tried to switch units and stuff like that. Um, uh, cause I got to go to a version of sniper school is right when they were kind of switching through urban sniping and your classic stalking stuff. So it wasn't the, we didn't went through all the shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any of the urban or the stalking out in the fields. We did more of the, um, kind of urban stuff. Um, we still got a certificate, but there's some controversy, you know, and sure. <laughs> we, we didn't go through the full course or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when I got back from Iraq, which was a crazy deployment, um, you know, podcasts are a pretty big thing. Um, if you listen to Jocko, he talks a lot about when he was in Ramadi. We were, I've actually met 99.9% sure I was in the same room and met Jocko and went yeah. on some missions with him. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to sit down and talk to him because uh, he talks about us being over there because we were yeah. made up of all National Guard units over there in Ramadi. And it was like the wild, wild west. is so bad over there when we were there. I read that book. Were you one of the groups that he spoke highly of? Yeah. I'd have to yeah. assume so, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually did. Because um, <laughs> he didn't speak highly of everybody. Yeah. So um, we we were a very strange. Nebraska, uh, as far as the National Guard goes, is an incredible force. We're always top of, of a lot of things. And mm. and that includes some of our units. So we were actually handpicked. 64 people were handpicked for, for deployment to Ramadi. Mm. Um, the rest was slated to go to Baghdad later on. 
but we went there and and uh i mean we kind of had our own cab scouts are kind of their own breed like we only got one day off during our train up because that one day you know was a high percentage someone's going to do something stupid and you lose somebody <laughs> you know okay yeah. drinking and wow. do, you know like we did uh we went to the ocean one time and they're like yeah don't go past those buoys on the jet ski dude we went so far out you can't even see the land no more you know <laughs> And so things like that, right? And getting in drink, you know, the drinking is never a good thing if you're trying to stick, keep everyone together. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had buses and stuff, so it wasn't so bad. Um, but um, they had hands selected us, and then when we were over there, too, we were just kicking ass, taking names. We were immediately paired up with um, a Marine EOD. There's actually this really famous photo. Um, this gunnery sergeant, he's got no pants on, and he's got a finger up, and he's flipping off the the taliban that just tried to blow them up mm-hmm. uh, a reporter for the omaha world herald took that picture actually mm. they were embedded with us um bundy and i'm spacing off the other guy marty bundy and i can't remember the writer it, it'll come to me but um they almost died like a couple different times too you know <laughs> they're completely wow. oblivious to the combat yeah. situation yeah you know? and they were with you guys because you guys were the nebraska yep. unit yeah they actually came to iraq and stayed with us it, oh i mean God. those guys are super awesome Oh, gosh, it, it really hurts my feelings. I can't remember the writer's name, but I uh, he, he moved. I think he's in Michigan or Idaho or something now. But Marty's still in town here. Um, but yeah, it was incredible for those yeah. guys to, and they got to see like the raw everything, you know, like even uh, some of these books, like that one, you know, it it tells the story, yeah. but it doesn't tell all the stuff, you know, well in between. That that book by Jocko that you referenced, that you guys were referencing, that was called Extreme Discipline, I think. Yeah, I believe so. It's th- one of those. I think it yeah. was. And it was, it was constructed in a really cool way. I really enjoyed it because he would go through one of your guys' missions, you know, or sortie if you're mm. enforcing. And then he would walk through that and then he would step it back and, like, look, view it through a business perspective. Well, and what was he doing? Uh, like, he what was, was a, his position? He was a SEAL team leader. A SEAL. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. and so they, they would uh, throw him teams from the Army or the Guard yeah. and say, make this happen. And he's like, well, how am I supposed to make this happen? Then he'd walk you through that process on each chapter and each mission. It's, and, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting, too. Is it uh, – it's extreme ownership, right? Extreme ownership, yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Um, because all you – you know, like you said, podcasts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we listen to all of them. And you hear all these guys talk that are, you know, former military guys or whatever it is they're doing. And all you ever hear about is, like, the SEALs, I mean, primarily. Yeah. Um, you know, the Green Berets, like, all these – super secret yeah because they're like such ops. badass like yeah so right you, right but there's other people that are badass too and yeah. andy yeah and with andy reading that book you know, like you were talking about mm-hmm. you know you guys are army national guard right mm-hmm. that's what that's what you were in and you guys are sent to support what the seals are organizing i guess is, yeah. is that the way it is well it was funny because we set up a couple of sniper missions and um we were overlooking like this taxi cab stand, you know, where a lot of business would take place, you know, good or mm-hmm. and good and bad. And I'm like, oh gosh, dang that that dude looks American, you know. He looks like a, you know, football player, you know, or something, sure. you know, like yeah. linebacker or someone. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at him, you know. And and we had taken over this gal's house. Um, her husband uh, was away doing something. Turns out that house was they were part of the Taliban, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we found that out later, mm-hmm. but. Um, uh, you know, we're sitting there observing this taxi cab stand, and I kept on seeing this, you know, these taxi cabs. I'm like, God, that dude looks like just an NFL linebacker. It was, 
you know, I don't know for sure, but when we went to the SEAL compound, some of those taxi cabs were sitting in there wide. Nice. I'm like, yeah. sure. <laughs> there you go. Jeez. Yeah. You guys, but you're not seeing yeah. NFL linebackers in Afghanistan, yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, they're right. not yeah. taxis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And um, built that way. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty incredible thing because we kind of made a name for ourselves, you know, yeah. like even with the EOD techs, you know, they were, they were losing EOD techs pretty often. Um, we, we did lose one, but, um, compared to previous years, you know, um, that was pretty, pretty, uh, b- big, big deal. Just, just in numbers wise. And it sucks. None of us really wanted to come home cause we were so worried about them. And then they lost like four guys after we left. So that, I mean, that's, you know, the survivor guilt is, is pretty big when you, when we really kind of think about those things, but how long were you there? Um, the total deployment was 18 months, but we were boots on ground in Iraq, uh, one year and 22 days. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but yeah, we made a name for ourselves and these guys are like, Oh, the, you know, these guys can run support for us because a lot of times they would hit mm-hmm. these buildings or go into these towns and people would run away and you can't really find them. So, you know, the first time we're like, you know, the first time they just stuck us out on the perimeter, you know, and some Rangers and stuff were in there and we took it serious and they saw that and they're like, Oh man, we got another one. So we did a couple more missions and one of them actually entailed um being basically their backup which was pretty cool they didn't need us but um you know we're we loaded up on navy helicopters and we're flying around for two hours and if shit hit the fan we were gonna land and mm-hmm. fight with these guys yeah. which i was like oh shoot yeah. <laughs> you know? the firefights are real yeah, yeah yeah and um so yeah it was really cool and you know he talks about it in the book and then even on some of his podcasts and one of the things you know people give a lot of shit to the national guard and, and and i get it you know it's a friend friendly type of thing but even like jocko says is you know we had a, a master welder with us you know this was early or this was 2000 late 2004 early 2005 and the id thing was just ramping up and they didn't really have a bunch of up armored humvees mm-hmm. but they had extra armor man we were welding and customizing stuff this guy worked at case new holland in, in uh, grand island yeah yeah as a welder yeah dude he was welding up <clears throat> everything and stuff just the uh, coolest dude you know <laughs> and uh that's crazy you know we had teachers we had all sorts of stuff so like even uh, my lieutenant mass matt misfelt he owns patriot homebrew supply out in elkhorn he mapped out everything you mm-hmm. know super nerd but super good guy like missions and op tempo and yeah. where we were getting hit and so like we had data to like oh man this is kind of a crazy area you know and so all that stuff comes into play yeah. when you get an active duty unit they just they're just a soldier you know mm-hmm. um so we can kind of play to those strengths and weaknesses that's very interesting yeah. and you think about yeah, like just all those all those expertise that those folks yeah. are bringing to it that yeah. the that welding thing that's such an interesting story like oh, yeah. you, you don't think about like i wouldn't think about that i've never been there i don't mm-hmm. know what it's like i imagine you know, you guys are outfitted with everything you need and it's all set up and everything's yep. good to go. But no, the reality is you're there and you start realizing, hey, this ain't working. Yeah. And we've yep. got a guy here who can start customizing some shit. Let's get this rolling, get that rolling. He does. It starts saving yep. lives. It starts giving you the leg up. Like, that's that's so, that's so wild. So yeah. Jocko never said, like, who has a liberal arts degree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who right. here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, the welder dude that worked at Case IH there on the outskirts of town, uh, he was a public guy, right? Uh, his Zolkowski, I think, was his last name. Yeah. Mark, Mark, or was or, he a Northwest guy too? I don't know. Ah. I think he grew up. I'm, I'm just giving sure, you a yeah. bad time. It's yeah, kind of fun. <laughs> you might have been. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so. But but yeah, it, and like you said, you know, even when we were working with the seals and stuff, they gave us some things, you know, because sure. this is still early on, kind of in the war, and you were just, you know, all the military stuff's so one size fits all, you know, and. 
you know, we had some guys get killed, you know, by not having anything right here. So then they issued a side plates, you know. That was in the book, I think. Yeah. 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 And yes. um, so there's mm. all, you know, so they issue these things that just kind of stretch, you know, and it don't really, I mean, those things were heavy as hell. And sure. I always had, I mean, even just today, if you were like, hey, uh, let's go cook burgers or something, you know, I'm going to bring half my kitchen, you know, all the seasonings, all the stuff, <laughs> you know, like I actually forgot glasses, you know, um, for the bourbon, but. Um, I had it all set out, and I was kind of mm-hmm. in a hurry getting out of the house, so I wouldn't be late. But um, I think I kind of used some of that because I had I had a 203 and an M4, then my sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So I had always had all this stuff, you know, way more magazines. Our truck was filled with crap. Everywhere we went, you know, extra everything, mm-hmm. which is why now my lower back's all all messed up. But um, yeah, running out of something and needing something was like a big, big, big big yeah. fear of mine hmm. oh yeah and they and you know they so they gave us all this extra stuff and man it you know they made it mandatory for a little while and then they're like well soldiers are going to do whatever they want anyway so we actually took a lot of that stuff off throat protectors we had one guy almost um loses family jewels um i mean they even after a piece of shrapnel hit him and he was still worried he was going to lose them they were turning purple and all mm-hmm. sorts oh, of stuff shoot so some people put the growing protector back on, but for a little while there, we had two Grand Island Police Department officers with us as well, too. And um, they got us some of that soft body armor mm-hmm. so we could wear just the plate carriers. Oh, man, we got in so much trouble for wearing just plate carriers, you know, like, oh, we got soft armor underneath. And they didn't care, you know. So, we, you know, some of the guys kind of put their kit, you know, if someone's going to see them, they had a regular kit, and then they had their other kit, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> And now today you you go anywhere you know it's all that type of stuff all these you know surefires had just came out they're the hard plastic they didn't even have metal ones yet mm. stuff like that ACOGs weren't really a big thing yet you know is all the so the outfit now hats. or the uniform now is different with all the oh yeah there's okay. so it's much. a lot lighter the technology yeah the te- yeah technology is is insane now you know I would honestly hate to be fighting a war now because drones are a thing now mm-hmm. oh yeah that has to be some scary shit you know yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah just even watching some of the videos of what's going on now they're just tooling around with drones you know yeah and, <laughs> you yeah know. gamers are the new elite warriors yeah yeah exactly they're really good at it so what know. do you think you were carrying like 30 pounds 20 oh, uh about 150 180 what? pounds on a game oh yeah no oh, yeah. the just the plate who can car- do that just the plate just the plate with no equipment on it was about i think it was pushing 80 pounds yeah and then plus, you know, that's I had, carrying Ben around. Yeah, or it's, not, no, not now. That's <laughs> yeah. carrying yeah. Andy in, around. Yeah, right. There's there's some of those memes, you know, like where uh, when like, you don't know what it's here. like to take a bra off at the end of the day, and then it's a soldier, you know, taking off his his uh, vest. What you know? I've never yeah. heard that. Oh, Have yeah. you heard that's that much carrying I know, that I, much? That's I did insane. Not know the weight? I mean, I definitely expected it to be more than twenty or thirty, but I, <laughs> I didn't expect it yeah. to be that high. And and the plates now are a little they weigh a little little less but you know our plates were super thick with the side plates on and then that's like an eight hour day yeah i mean sometimes they're two three hours days like i got this uh really great story um uh we did a lot of missions with anglico teams where they're specifically trying to get certain guys that were laying ieds or troubled areas they'd watch out and these guys have air assets and all this other stuff so they're like, hey, we need a couple snipers. You guys want to go on this mission? I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, and they're like, all right, we'll pick you up at like, you know, 10 o'clock at night. We'll go out there. We're going to spend a couple nights, a couple days out there. You know, you know, we might not go until the next night just to kind of 
throw them off that we're not just mm-hmm. driving out there or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And then um, so I eat some dinner chow. And this is Yahoo Messenger. That's what we had, you know. So I go to the, <laughs> the, go to the Internet Lounge, get on Yahoo Messenger. And we actually were smart because we're Cap Scouts. We had brought our own Internet system with us. Oh. So we contacted a guy in Italy. And like, what do we need to have Internet over there? He's like, oh, buy this stuff. Every once in a while, I'd be down. So it just happened to be down that day. The guy was down down for maintenance or whatever. Um, so I had to go to the internet lounge, and I opened up Yahoo Messenger. My girlfriend at the time was like, I got to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, you know, no. Uh-oh. So she breaks up with me, and right as she breaks up with me, my driver came, and he's like, hey, dude, you're going right now. They're going right now, dude. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I had all my stuff ready. Yeah. I didn't even get a sign out of Yahoo Messenger. I'm glad no one kind of, you know spoofed it or whatever you know but <laughs> i go running out there pulling the truck and um you know the, it's kind of a little this little base you know and they got like a little canteen there you know have a chow or whatever so i only brought a couple two liters of water and two snickers bars because like i'll just grab a bunch of food there and i'll be good so i jump in the truck we go out there we're like hey we're gonna sneak in tonight and i'm like oh shoot okay and uh so I tried to go in the little canteen thing. They didn't have shit in there because mm. there were trucks and stuff were getting hit by IDs. So I go out to this this place, and we're only supposed to spend like a day out there. And we ended up spending three days out there, and all I had was two liters of water. Oh, <laughs> two two yeah. My girlfriend just woke up, or broke up with me, and uh, yeah. So I was I was like, oh, man, the the uh, mental anguish and some of that stuff. <laughs> you know, that's, that's wild. And man. you're carrying 150 on you. Yeah, that's yeah, it's insane. It, and it's we actually would carry enough that you can move in the turret. That's how we figured it. You know, because like you have so much stuff when you're in the turret. Because I was supposed to be the assistant gunner. I was basically the gunner. But um, you got so much stuff in you. You know, you can't really. You just turn around with the turret. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a firefight one time, and we'd switched to... I had a Mark 19 and a 240 Bravo, which is shoots 308 machine gun, basically. And you can't fit the ammo cans of your your ammo to reload through the turret. Because, I mean, we have so much stuff on, your, your stuff's oh, yeah. hitting. Like, we... A lot of us took our pistols off our legs and put them up here as well, too. And this was before they had modular pouches. So mm-hmm. we kind of modified, like, a pistol pouch or a, a ammo pouch to hold, to hold them. And... Uh, so you had to, like, in the middle of firefights, you had to, like, jump out of the truck, reach down, <laughs> grab oh the ammo box, throw it up. Oh, my gosh. My mom would probably kill me if she'd seen some of the stuff that we had, which was great that we didn't have GoPros <clears throat> back then because, like, not that we broke the rules, but um, we, we had our own rules. You know, yeah, you had to modify. You had yeah. to do what works. Like, coalition speed limit was 35 miles an hour. There's no way you're going to get hit by all the IDs, you know. So we went 71 miles an hour because that's as fast as our Humvees would go, you know. Mm. <laughs> and we got yelled at a couple times for that stuff. But um, I'd want to get to where I'm going Yeah, exactly. Quick I too. was like, whoever yeah. made that rule needs to come ride with Because in yeah. Ramadi, yeah. you go downtown Ramadi, the name of the game is, you know, how many IEDs can you not get hit by, right? Because like, they're just poof, poof, you know, just blow mm-hmm. those suckers up all the time. We got hit by handful of them our, our other platoons got guys injured by them quite often and at some point actually the mps were in charge of kind of the taking people to Corregidor, which is a base at the end of ramadi and they had lost so many people they couldn't they were basically not combat effective no more so we were actually the only ones allowed towards the middle mm-hmm. and end of our deployments to take people up and up and down that thing mm. yeah good rule only go 30 miles an hour anyway. yeah yeah i like that yeah so you take all that into account, and uh, you know, and eventually that deployment was over. 
what what happens after that? I mean, where do you, where do you go from there? Yeah, so um, this actually comes in where the uh, I told you I do full circle. So that apology letter <laughs> to my math teacher um, <laughs> ended up joining a rigor unit. Uh, I tried to go to the sniper unit to Lurse, um, but like most units like that, if they don't know you, they're not going to let you in. Right? They're not going to taint their you know their pool of excellent soldiers by just some random dude coming mm-hmm. in. You know. Which turned out I ended up becoming really good friends with all these guys later on anyways. Um, so basically I didn't have a home to go to and they had this rigger unit and they're like, well, you're going to go be a rigger. What's a rigger? Yeah. Uh, parachute rigger. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So um, a parachute rigger is a 92 Romeo in the Army. The aerial delivery specialist is, is technically what it's called. So you're just like, on, you're on a plane or you're helping people get in their suits? Um, I don't get it. Uh, so we packed the the parachutes that you would put oh, on to jump pack. out okay, yeah. okay. or gotcha. uh rig loads to be airdropped in yeah so okay. a lot of the stuff in afghanistan a lot of those places are so so out there they used uh low cost low altitude parachutes that they can just throw out and then they just burn them mm-hmm. you know afterwards um a lot of them basically got their supplies that way and that stuff's packed up by parachute riggers you know anything okay. from food water supplies to equipment like even you know mirth earth moving equipment 42,000 pounds or less you know we'll, we'll throw it out on oh, a parachute wow. so humvees all sorts of things but the big mission is the airborne dropping paratroopers yeah. and stuff so um, to get this job you have to know how to jump too yeah so to be a parachute rigger which why i didn't complain too much is you have to go to airborne school you do the one thing about being a rigger is uh before you can touch it you have to be qualified or you know have experience with it mm-hmm. so we took full advantage of that so i went to airborne school Went to air assault school because we touch the equipment used for swing load, uh, joint drop air load inspector. So when you rig up these, you know, 42,000 pounds or less, you know, there's a lot that goes with it. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other course. Um, jump master school and then pathfinder school. And that's the one where um, I wish I would have paid a little bit more attention to math. Um, <laughs> uh, Teacher wasn't lying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll admit this, like, I never did the square root on a calculator or the Paget theorem until I was in that school, hmm. right? So I'm, like, 25 or 26, and I couldn't figure out how they're, you know, and I'm not saying too much because I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I'm screwed here. And I was like, <laughs> I had to raise my hand. I was like, hey, I can't get the same answers as anyone. I don't, I've never used this square root button before in my calculator. <laughs> and the instructor just looks at me. He's like, dude, you're not going to make it and walks off. Oh, shit, dude. Was that yeah. on a TI-81 or TI-84? <laughs> I still have it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Damn thing. Yeah, I'm going to keep that calculator forever. But, um, and it really hurt because, like, um, you know, they say the whole course is hard, and I was sailing through it pretty good, you know, like mm. 96, 98 scores. Um, you know, the how do you calculate an air assault serial? Basically, Pathfinders, you know, if you're going to come in and assault something with helicopters, we'll tell you when to load, when to take off, when to come back, like we can figure all this out. So that was the first test and that wasn't so bad, right? You have like a planning load, flight time, coming back, like I was like, oh, this makes sense, this ain't gonna be so bad. Mm-hmm. And then there's just like a general knowledge test and then there's sling load, which that was easy for me because I was already, it was parachute equipment essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I already know this, you know, <laughs> got that on the pretest. Um, but then we go to basically calculating the drop zones and um, I had to stay up to two, three o'clock in the morning just going over. Instead of, I was like, I don't have enough time to learn how to do the Pythagorean theorem or the square root. So I'll, 
the army is a, a very simple mistress, right? Like eighth grade reading level, and they pretty much give you every scenario you're going to get on a test because they're we're a little lazy, right? So mm. they were probably recycling tests and all sorts of. That's what I was planning on. So I went through every scenario. Basically, I just remembered how to get answers. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was brutal. So um, come test day, I sailed through the test. I'm like, dude, I got this, man. This is gonna be mm-hmm. awesome. And I actually failed one portion of it, which means I had to retest the whole test. They used to actually do it when, if you fail one portion or category of the test, you can you only go back and take that. Well, they changed it. Oh, shit. So if you fail one section, you just got to take the whole damn test, and you get a little less time, too. So I'm like, oh, shit. But um, I failed it because your calculations change if the aircraft are using GPS or not using GPS. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And they were using GPS, and I calculated without GPS. So I missed that small detail, which makes a big difference when you're calculating this stuff. So I had they, they got me fair and square, but um, <laughs> on the retest, I passed. And, and same yeah. thing, sailed through the test. I was like, well, I'm going home because I felt the same, hey, you know. <laughs> cramming works, kids. You just, yeah. you, you can memorize more than you think. Not oh, yeah. for very long, but go yeah. ahead, cram it. Yep. It's a brain, it's so much information. Mm-hmm. It's a brain dump. And one thing about what makes Pathfinder School so hard, it's not multiple choice. It's fill in the blank. And mm. you have to use proper nomenclature. So, like, there's a castellated nut. If you say inverted castellated nut, that's wrong because it's not an inverted castellated nut because that's what you just called it. It's a castellated nut that's inverted. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Hey. It's very specific. Yeah. Fail me now. Yeah. I wouldn't and make it. if you misspell something, they oh, would check um, count that. totally Oh, out that then. was me, too. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> You're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Ben's looking at me like, oh, God. kind of yeah. like that. I kind of appreciate that, actually. Yeah. Because um, I think uh, your, your guy, Neil Tyson DeGrasse, mm-hmm. right? He's like one of the big failures um, in our educational system is we're just teaching people how to take tests. We're yeah. not teaching people how to mm-hmm. learn yeah. something. Yeah, true. So. The army are, you know, what you're doing there is more like, no, you need to figure this out. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't guess between A, B, or C, or you know, deduct. Or, you know, mm-hmm. no, figure it out. Yeah, there. Yeah, that the whole mission is, you know, and, and there's a what they, we call badge protecting in that in Jumpmaster and Pathfinder schools at, at Fort Benning. It's now named Fort Monroe or, or more. Yeah, I think more. Um, is they're there to help you, but not really, you know, mm-hmm. like you either going to get it or you don't. And there's a reason for it too. And I know a lot of people will get upset with like, oh, they should be there. You know, they're your battle buddy. They're really not, you know, because they're not going to be, if you're out in the field somewhere and you got to solve a problem, mm-hmm. they're, you know, yeah. You, if you're the only pathfinder, you know, there's not, <laughs> you're not getting there any help go. out there either. So I, I kind of believe in some of their things that they do you know there's some things soldiers do that i think you're just a little bit too much but you know making it hard making people earn stuff is something that i'm I'm always with but when i got back from school i was just i felt like such an asshole if i can say that on the air here um uh so i wrote up an apology a long apology to my school teacher and i didn't send it to him because i couldn't figure out how to get a hold of him i sent it to the newspaper he had retired already (laughs) so i sent it to the grand island independent there I was like, oh, he'll see it. Oh, man, that every, <laughs> That's was, so cool, though, that you did that. Obviously, that was weighing on your heart for a while. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a lot. Um, you know, even coming back from uh, Iraq, you know, even I started to do Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Mm-hmm. It just, a lot of the stuff puts things into perspective for you. Like, yeah. I was like, dude, my dad and mom, we were actually just talking about it. Um, 
this last Thanksgiving, you know, like my dad's been super great hunting, fishing, you know, you know, doing cool stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's always been cool with me. And I, I earned my, I had, was making my own money at like eight years old, helping my uncle on the farm and doing mm-hmm. paper out. And his rule is basically like, don't bring the cops home, man. You know, you mm-hmm. buy your own stuff, you wreck it, you know, shit, whatever, you know. And then, you know, my mom had a little bit different perspective on that um some of us moms do yeah to have the balance yeah (laughs) and you know and like even growing up when my dad would go on hunting trips that i couldn't go on you know like big hunt trips that he'd go deer hunt you know that's when we'd always go eat chinese food or something because my Mm -hmm. dad's like meat potatoes type of guy on you know so and i have all these great memories of you know both my mom and my dad and trips and and going on things can you look something up there yeah I think you're 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 falling victim to the Dunning Kruger effect. I think is what it's, is called. it's called. The Dunning Kruger, okay. where the more you are aware of something, the more you understand you don't know shit. Yeah, you oh, know yeah. You, you you think you think oh I don't need math, and then you see this little little part you know trying to join this force of that where no you need to know math. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to come in. You you're going to have to have it to survive. Yeah. And then you figure out, wow, not only do I not know math, I don't know shit about math. Yeah. And it would really help if I'd have listened to my middle school teacher. You know, instead we gave him a, we videotaped over his, his VHSs that he was trying yeah. to teach us with. I still have that VHS tape. <laughs> do you? That was the closest I've ever got to expelled from high school. Um, uh, he passed away, but the assistant principal, he was so cool. Like, yeah. he knew we had, you know, because a lot of us would go shoot geese or some something in the mornings, you know and ducks so he knew we had shotguns in our truck right right yeah. and he knew that he could see the beer and stuff and he'd always uh you know at that time we were chewing and smoking and sometimes we get caught in class you know chewing mm-hmm. he'd ride his passes to leave school yeah and we'd go off the school property and do you know right chew or whatever and then come back like he was such a cool guy i'm pretty sure he would have fit in pretty well with us yeah. out here too and your <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah. sounds but, yeah. like the same stuff he uh <laughs> he couldn't save us from that because uh you know, we're encouraging people to do burnouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a line. Yeah, right yeah. Well, it chipped yeah. a couple of students' windshields or something like that. So that's kind of – and I can't even remember the principles. It's the only time I actually met the real principal. And, I mean, he was yelling. He's like, I want you to crucify these, you know, all these other things. <laughs> because uh, prior to that, um, uh, we were doing burnouts in our own vehicles, and we couldn't park on the school grounds. A kid in my class lived right across the street, though. So we're like, oh, <laughs> there like, we go. I was like, Brian, yeah. we're going to come park in your driveway, you know. Um, and when we got our, we, we couldn't park, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when we had, before we'd leave and stuff, we had a little PA speaker. So we'd play, we're not going to take it. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't yeah. say we couldn't drive through the parking lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not parking. We're making a couple of rounds and then we'll go park. Oh, <laughs> then you put your, you you put their nose in a little bit with some twisted sister. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You know but, what, though? You take, like, you take that mentality of, like, just figuring out the little loopholes and mm-hmm. just, like, you know, doing your thing and, 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 yeah, being a little badass, but not killing anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you're just, you're out. And, and that, when you look at the story you told about, mm-hmm. you know, when you're overseas, that's the kind of mentality that, you know, you actually need. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you got, you have to figure out those little loopholes. You have to figure out, what the moves are you need to make to survive. You have to figure out how to have a little fun sometimes yeah. too, you know? Is that, was I right with that? Is it the Dunning-Kruger? The, uh, the first line says, uh, in which people with limited competence in a particular domain overestimate their abilities. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the closer you get to an expert, the more you 
view yourself as being a dummy. Yeah. So, like, you have all these experts saying, oh, I don't know shit. And they believe it because they actually know what they don't know. Yeah. But an idiot. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can figure that out. I know all of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. One of the, you know, uh, in every organization, and with Bravo Zulu, you know, we got a really great group of uh, guys here that started this thing. And, you know, we kind of each had our own dynamic, you know. And uh, I'm really good at shooting my mouth off, you know. So we did the thing with uh, Bottles and Barrels. They had a Oktoberfest where they had all the local breweries bring in their fall beers, you know, their Mm -hmm. Oktoberfest beers. And then we were supposed to jump that day. We had aircraft issues, so we couldn't get out. And then the following week, we we did a drawing. If you entered in, you know, it's $20 to try all the beers for free. But you also got a ticket to do to Tandem. Mm. Oh shoot! Yeah, I and done uh, that. so <laughs> yeah, some people came in didn't even want to drink beer. They just drew a ticket for a tandem. And um, when we did this, we <coughs> excuse me, we actually met Jimmy, the owner, and uh, you know we're doing the same thing here. And as we're indulging, you know, some spirits, and you know, because he's got mm. a, it's, it's a great store. It's off of uh, it's called Bottles Barrels, but he puts out really great whiskey every Wednesday for you to try. Mm. But like expensive bottles too like a 600 hundred dollar bottle of whiskey he'll put out there you know i mean it's going to be like 20 dollars to try it but mm-hmm. um it's been great for me because i don't trust people's palates when it comes to bourbon i've learned uh <laughs> um in the last couple of years uh, especially since we've been working with horse soldier here has kind of got me into bourbon but we're doing we do bourbon raffles for bravo zulu and uh some of these really sought after bourbons you try them you're like Shit, you paid four hundred thirty dollars for that. That's pretty, you know, <laughs> right on. You know? Right on. Yeah. So I want to get, I want to get into the Bravo Zulu thing. <laughs> yeah, I want to um, know. But first, I want to, I want to wrap up, um, you, you know, your background as we came up. So yeah. you, you, you got back home from school, uh, you put the letter out to the teacher. Is, is there anything else you kind of that you see as significant in that window between then and when you start getting into Bravo Zulu? Yeah, so um, you know, being a parachute rigger kind of launched me into a lot of the things that I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I was actually doing a lot of contracts for the Navy SEALs and some other special forces and some civilian contracts, which actually got me into skydiving because I had all the certificates from Fort Lee, Virginia, which is where uh, the quarter, home of the quartermaster, so which the parachute rigger school is there. And so I was qualified to do all the stuff um, on the military side. And they're like, hey, these, this one contract's like $500 a day, but you got to have your civilian stuff too. So I became a civilian parachute rigger, which I started my parachute rigging business. And then also started skydiving. So um, that's how I met actually Sean Burdess mm-hmm. and Dylan. And Dylan actually, he was a paratrooper and we had a round canopy competition. That's how we met us. That's how we started skydiving. Mm. So yeah, full circle is pretty much being a parachute rigger with the military has kind of brought me yeah. to exactly what I'm doing today and a lot of what we're doing with, with Bravo Zulu. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that brings us to that point. So before we get into that, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll start digging into uh, Bravo Zulu. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. 